Brand new Mac and know it's looking clean. It's the after party, live from the mountains. Wanna cop some, shouldn't be a doubt about it. Looking for great reviews, then you found it. Connecting with the fans, hope you get a lot out of it. Yeah. Welcome to the other party, I divide. Well, you know we get a little come alive. And you know we got a light, so we gon' shine. Hey, it's Chris. Welcome to the After Party. I gotta give a shout out to Trey Little again for the intro music. You can hear the full song at the end of the podcast. You gotta, if you haven't checked out Trey, you gotta check him out. When I approached him to write this music, which he did an excellent job of, I mean, listen to it. It's just amazing. He was smaller on social media than I am, and now he is much bigger. He blew up over on TikTok, and he has, I think, over double the amount of subscribers, followers over on TikTok than I have on YouTube. It's pretty awesome. He's an inspirational dude, uh, good music, great music, so make sure you go check him out, Trey Little. As always this week, I got a lot to talk about, and kind of following the usual format, I'm going to mention some daily tech-related stuff, just kind of shoot the breeze, and then we'll get into some Apple news and commentary and blah, blah, blah. I got to tell you something I've been up to. And I'm really excited about this. Uh, picture the most excited you've ever seen me in a video. And lots of different images probably come to your brain. But I'm like a hundred times more excited than I've ever been in a video for the thing that I've been working on lately. For It's been a culmination of, I don't know, like months and months. If not, actually years. Uh, I'm pulling stuff together from way back in my past, in my history, to, to build something new that's really amazing for Apple users, for Apple fans. Anybody that owns an Apple device, that likes Apple, that's interested in Apple in any way, I'm building something so different, so unique, so amazing, that it's gonna blow people's minds, I think, how cool it is. It's blowing my mind, it, and it's turning out, I can't tell you a whole lot about it, I'm just letting you know I'm building something that I'm really excited about, that I think you're gonna be too. <laughs> In fact, I know you are. I think you're going to be in love with this. I think it's going to become a daily addiction for you. I will say that. It's just that I have been thinking about the future of daily tech and me kind of as a content creator and the value that I can put out there into the world and what do I want to be doing um, aside from maybe just making YouTube videos. And, and I finally think I cracked the code in my own brain uh, of what I can do that's super valuable for people um, and for myself. And so I'm working on building it and I think you guys should expect an announcement probably sometime in the next several weeks. Could be a week, it could be three or four weeks, uh, maybe a month. And then it's only gonna keep getting better too. There's gonna be a starting place and then kind of an expansion from there. What can I tell you about this project without giving away too much or ruining the surprise? Uh, I can tell you it's going to be free. I think that is going to be exciting for people uh, because a lot of the things I cover, a lot of apps and stuff, people are like, hey, that costs. Where's the free stuff? If you're looking for something free that's really useful to you as an Apple person, I'm building it for you. This is also something that absolutely is going to help you get more out of the Apple products that you love and love to use. And, and so, and I think just in general, like as a business, the stuff that I'm putting out, I, I feel like I'm kind of coming up with a, a good tagline or a mission statement, which probably could be summarized as 
helping you love your Apple products more. Because it's not like, you know, when you come to Daily Tech, you're getting useful things, recommendations and insights and and reviews and information. But, you, you know, if you're buying an Apple product, and especially multiple Apple products, and, and therefore getting a lot out of Daily Tech and the content I'm putting out, especially on YouTube, then you probably already love your Apple products, especially if you're watching more than one of my videos. You probably already love your Apple stuff. But that doesn't mean that you can't love it more or get more out of it. And I feel like that's kind of the the niche or the the void, the area where I'm stepping in and and providing value. It's like when you learn a new tip about your Apple Watch or your AirPods or you get a new app that that you didn't know about that just expands what you can do now, uh, then you love your product a little bit more. Or sometimes it's more about helping you pick the right product. Like how should you spend your money? Should you buy this laptop or that one or this iPad or that one or iPhone or whatever? I will tell you this. The thing I'm putting together is something so different than anything that has ever existed ever that I'm aware of in the history of the internet. And in many ways, it's the opposite of what a lot of people and publications and media companies and creators are doing. And that's that's why it's going to be so awesome. So get your hopes up, but but keep your expectations reasonable. Just understand it's going to be something that I think that you're really going to like and want to check often, if not daily, because it's designed for daily use. This is daily tech. Am I right? Um, I just want to talk about a little bit about this app that I have mentioned in at least one or two videos recently, just kind of real briefly, probably haven't spent more than 30 to 45 seconds talking about it in total, but I want to dive a little bit deeper on it because I'm getting so much use out of it. It's provided a lot of value to me and the app is called zero and it's an app that you, you may be like, where's the timestamp? So I'm going to skip this. Or you may be like, oh, what's Chris doing here? This is kind of interesting. But it's an app that uh, helps you fast, number one, and it tracks those fasts. It helps you get the most out of fasting, so to speak. Now, let me just say, fasting has kind of become a fad, I think, recently, in recent months and, and years. But I feel like I hopped on the fast train before it kind of blew up and got overhyped. And I think the thing that led me to it was the idea of maybe losing some weight Although I don't think I'm obese or, or like way overweight, but it's just like, oh man, I could lose a couple of pounds, you know, that kind of thing. This is like a few years ago. I don't know. But yeah. So I read an article about it and it was like, here, you could do this and you could work out with this in combination and here's how you could eat. And, um, and I, I tried it and I loved it immediately. Although I also hate it because when you're fasting, you're not eating and then it's terrible. That's when you get hangry, uh, because you want food. Food is tasty. Food is good. It, it's something that you do socially with other people. And it kind of can cause some trouble. Like if you're like, I'm, I'm going to fast today. Oh, but then you're meeting these people, but they're going to eat, but I'm not going to eat. Or sh- maybe I need to eat and you break your fast, you know, but it's cool. And it, it gets back to that Seinfeld thing that I've mentioned before, where he was, someone's like, how do you stay on track and do stuff. Well, I put an X on the calendar and then after five days, I've got five X's and you don't want to break the chain. So it helps you mentally keep going. So anyways, you can stack your fasts and, and like get a lot out of it. And I was just doing that before just willy nilly, no help from anything other than that one article and my own willpower. 
And then just recently, uh, I discovered, actually because I was looking for new Apple Watch apps, I discovered the Zero Apple Watch app. And, and it turns out there's this app, and it's been around for a while. So I don't know how it escaped my radar, my app radar, which is very powerful, as you know. But it exists to help you understand fasting and then get a lot out of it. So the core functionality is a timer, which is really well designed, really nice. And it works on your Apple Watch, and it works on your uh, iPhone as well. And it lets you know some interesting things that you wouldn't know if you were just fasting on your own, in your brain. And so it'll tell you how long you've been fasting. If you're doing like an 18 hour fast, then maybe you're five hours in or 10 hours in or uh, how much time. So how much time you've been and how much time is left, which is actually really cool uh, because it's just like it's the whole X on the calendar thing. But by the minute, it's, it's like I've done this much. Um, it's motivational. And then on top of that, uh, there's different types of fast and it tells you about them, how to prepare for them, like what to eat, what not to um, make sure that it's safe. <laughs> and then, so that's good. The knowledge part. And then it's like really easy. You just click on one and, and you can choose when to start. You can set reminders or whatever. But the, the thing that I really, 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 really like, I already like all that stuff, but the thing that really puts it over the top is then the data that you get. You can see all your hours fasted. You can see your longest streak. And let me just tell you, it's not just about the weight anymore for me. That was like a, that was a, a piece, small piece, but I found that I have more mental clarity. What I usually do is skip uh, when I do this, and I don't do it every day, but I, I skip the last meal of the day, so dinner. And a lot of people do breakfast, but I've been doing dinner. That That is motivating in itself, but then it shows you just the overall trends, and you can combine it. If you are trying to lose weight, you can, um, you can see how you fasted here and then the impact that it had. But there's, there's other reasons to do the fasting like I was sort of already getting at before I got off track, like mental clarity in the morning. When I wake up, my mind is so sharp after I've done one of these fasts. It's incredible, actually. And I feel like um, it's affected other parts of my health and stuff, too, because sometimes I get like a really bad migraine. I'm one of those people. And, you know, your stomach and your brain, they're they're pretty connected, I think, I feel. And and this is just it's impacted lots of different areas for the better for me. So I really like it. And it's if maybe you're into it, maybe you're not, but it is if it appeals to you for whatever reason. And there's other reasons even besides mental clarity or weight loss. Um, you could check it out in the app, read more about it. Then you should check it out. It's just called Zero. And there's a good community built up around it as well. Uh, here's something else that I think would be interesting moving on, just to discuss on the podcast. And that is, can you ever have too much screen real estate at your desk? Specifically is what I'm talking about at your desk. The reason I bring this up is because if you've seen any of the videos, you've seen my desk set up. I have this 16-inch MacBook Pro. I have an 11-inch iPad that I'm usually running sidecar on off to the left. And then above those two screens, I have the 49-inch LG Ultrawide from last year. There may be a new model out this year. If there isn't, I don't know. Maybe it's the current one. Maybe it's but it's a lot of screen space at, at my desk there. And oftentimes I've seen people commenting and asking, why do you even need sidecar then if you have that huge 49-inch ultra-wide setup? And I think it's a fair question. Let me just preface this by saying, if you give me more screen real estate, I will use it. <laughs> There's probably some law out there that describes it. Because somebody specifically recently said, well, why do you just put stuff on sidecar 
like Apple Music that you said you don't want to get buried under other windows. Why wouldn't you put something more important over there? And I said, well, I would. I would put you know the preview of my Final Cut footage over on the iPad if I was just using my Mac and my iPad. But I'm not. I got that ultra wide too. And so how I typically tend to use Sidecar is to put stuff over there that I always want available and don't want it to get buried like apple music so i know if i'm going through a playlist discovering some music oh i like this what is it well i can see it at a glance without having to you know pull up every window and look at it and find it you know or the other thing that i mention a lot is having a note there that i can always add to throughout the day because i'm always having brainstorms and ideas and that's always there not buried or just there to reference and to look at or email just have email up all the time, although that can be a distraction. The same thing goes for messaging. But the way that I typically tend to use all those screens is, okay, aside from the Mac and the sidecar, I'll, I'll oftentimes have the internet open uh, on the Mac and then something like Apple Music or Note over on sidecar. But the big ultra wide, I typically, if I'm editing a video, I'll have Final Cut Pro right in the middle taking up, I don't know, uh, functionally half of the screen, but in the middle of the screen and then some split some apps over on the side. So in the middle, it'll kind of be like as if I had final cut pro on a 27 inch monitor, I'm using that much of the, the ultra wide screen in the middle. And then the other 27 inches is split on the left and right between some other apps when I'm editing a video. So for instance, over on the right, I might have the finder window open so I can drag and drop stuff. Uh, that I've air uh, dropped over into Final Cut, or on the left, I might have uh, my outline for that video so I can kind of you know, know what I'm aiming for during the edit. But when I'm not in video editing mode, sometimes I'm just in writing mode or research mode. And what I've often been doing lately is having like six Notion apps all split across my ultra wide. So if I'm working on a piece of content, I might have my daily uh, ideas list open because I try to generate 10 uh, video ideas per day. I've talked about that a lot before. Then maybe I'll have my weekly planner open also in Notion, which is sort of like a Trello board just embedded in a Notion app. And actually how I use those two notes together, they're, they're like key things, pillars of my workflow. I come up with those 10 ideas and then I take the best ones and I put them into a quote unquote hot list of my best ideas and that kind of, the hot list lives on my weekly planner. And then I drag the stuff for that month's hot list up into the Trello board type thing. Uh, I don't know. It's like a Kanban board, I think is what they're called, uh, for the actual week, for the days of the, the week. And that's how I stay organized and kind of my content workflow pipeline. So I'll have those. And then over uh, for my third note, I'll have the actual video that I'm working on and the outline. And it's, I love the toggle note function. It's like bullet points, except each bullet point is expandable or hideable, the content within it um, in Notion. So when it starts off, I'll have one that's just things to include. And then I'll morph that into uh, an actual outline you know, of things to say or whatever. And then sometimes I have another note open because I'm working on a secret project like the one I mentioned at the very beginning of this podcast. And, you know, uh, as I'm working on this other thing, the, the daily note, well, hey, something pops into my head for this project. Well, I got it open. And it's because I got all this screen real estate. And, and, you know, then I've got two or three other uh, things open too. And I keep that all organized with Magnet, which is an app that just easily lets you split stuff. It's paid. A lot of people are like, hey, use this free alternative. I just like Magnet because I've gotten used to it in the keyboard shortcuts are just great. 
So I forget what the actual key combination is. It's just like muscle memory for me now. But you hit something like command and option or control and option, one, two, three, four, five, six, and it will put things in the six. It'll split your screen into six and put them in one, two, three, four, five, six position. Or you can do the same key combo and the left arrow or right arrow to split your screen exactly into into 50%, which is excellent. And then you can also uh, center stuff with the same kind of a shortcut system or expand stuff to full screen. It's just great. Now the question is, getting back to the original question, can you ever have too much screen real estate at your desk? And I don't know, I'm, I've asked that. I've seen in LG on LG's website, you can stack the monitor that I have, that 49 inch, on top of itself. So you could have two 49 inch monitors, ultra wides, sitting on top of one on top of the other. And then presumably you could also still have your Mac and sidecar going at the same time. It's just, uh, how would I use that? I'm asking myself, I'm wondering. And I don't know, but I think I would actually be able to use it because I would display my YouTube stats or my podcast stats. Maybe I would have one that's just like data pouring in, you know, uh, ad sales and, and YouTube stats, all my stuff, social media stats on one screen, all my productivity stuff on the other, the internet on my Mac, and then music or something to reference, uh, you know, email over on a sidecar. I mean, I would use it. Now, if you had a Mac Pro uh, and it was totally maxed out and it could power even more screens than that somehow in some crazy Frankenstein combination, could I then find a way to use that? I don't know, but it's a challenge I would love to undertake. So if you want to underwrite that episode, then please feel free to get in touch. I guess next, let me just give you a quick update on my AirPods Pros because I haven't put a video out and I don't know if I will. Um, about what happened with that, but I gave you guys, uh, well, I mean, the video sort of concluded itself, but if you're following along, you're wondering just how everything actually ended up. My AirPods Pros had a problem. The right one developed this kind of clicking, popping sound. It had to do with the noise cancellation, and it, it wasn't like a loose part or anything. And whenever I talked, it would rattle. Whenever I played music, it would rattle, but only in the right side. And when I turned off noise cancellation, it would disappear, whether it was passive or active noise cancellation, that's where the issue was. And so if I turned it off, then I effectively just had regular AirPods. What was the point of having the pros, right? Anyways, contacted Apple. They offered to send a replacement. Long story short, um, everything's working now and it's good to go. The interesting thing was though, a lot of people commented and they were saying, well, thank goodness for this video because now I know I'm not the only one. Other people out there did experience the same thing. So hopefully the long and the short of it was if you did have this issue, then how would Apple treat it? Like, because if they just took care of it for you with good customer service, then is it really a big deal? And they did for me, and it really wasn't a big deal. And so it should not in any way put you off of buying this amazing product. Like I said in the video, of all the things that I would not want to give up or have stopped working, it would be, my AirPod Pros would be right up there. I use them so much throughout the day. Long story short, go buy yourself some AirPod Pros if you want to. And don't let that video or experience stop you. If anything, that experience that I had should promote buying them because you know Apple's going to take care of any issue that comes up really, really nicely. You'll feel good about it, whether it just works, and it probably will, or you do run into an issue. The last thing I want to hit before we you know, check out some of the news is these two apps have been around forever, Instapaper and Pocket. I don't know which one came out first. I used Instapaper first. 
And then there's other alternatives like just reader mode in Safari, which I'd never use because I don't want to confuse my article reading with my web browser. Although for some people that might make a lot of sense. I understand because where do you read articles? Probably on the web. See, for a lot of people, a read it later type of app is probably just kind of for fun, maybe, I, I assume. But I use it as more of a research and organizational tool on top of just, oh, I want a better reading experience. Well, it's not like that for me because I would just hit reader view on an article in Safari if I just wanted, you know, better formatting and no ads. And But that's not how I use it. For me, if I'm going to really dive deep into a, a topic for the channel, let's say, for, for an interesting video and I want to be really informed, then I will go out, find every article that I can, save it and tag it and put it in. I used to use Instapaper. I'm, I'm kind of trying out Pocket again. I've switched back and forth multiple times with the premium versions of each app. Uh, the thing is, neither one is perfect for me. There are things that Pocket does that I like better than Instapaper. And a lot of it just comes down to the design too. And there are things that I like about Instapaper better than Pocket. Right now, I'm back in Pocket on the premium plan. And something that I really miss over in Instapaper is the ability to highlight something and make a note about that highlight. Because it is interesting, it is useful to go through an article and highlight things. And then I can more or less easily reference the most interesting parts and do something with them. But I I can't, you know, if I can make a note about it, I'm, I'm gonna have a thought about it at that very moment when I read it for the first time that I may not have later. So to be able to save that in an easy way and attach it to the thing that that sparked it in the first place, it's just really useful. Over on the pocket side though, I think I kind of like the interface more or less better. It seems a little more designy, which is nice. And when you highlight stuff in an article over on paper, you can't add a note, but I like the export option because I can go through and then share all of the highlights out into another note app or something, for instance, which kind of takes all the juicy nuggets that I'm interested in and puts them in a place where I can actually do something with those too, or organize them differently. So neither one's perfect. They both, for the, for the premium offering, cost about the same. I'm just, I don't know why I'm talking about this other than to say it's kind of frustrating because there isn't a better solution out there. And I've tried everything. There was an app called Liner or Highlighter or something. One of them just died recently. And there's another one that's still going that lets you kind of highlight stuff all over the web. And it's kind of like, it's more about the highlights than it is about the reading it later. Whereas Pocket and Instapaper are more about the reading it later and the highlights are sort of like an add-on. But those other alternatives, they don't work real well for me either. Either just the, the designer interface or they're just lacking. There isn't a perfect thing. And it's not the kind of thing where I don't think anyone's super interested in coming in and building a different version because there's established players and they have all the market share. And it's not a brand new cool idea. It's been around since forever. Since probably apps were first available, third-party apps on the iPhone. But I just wish that it was better. I wish, and I contacted Paper actually, or uh, not the Paper, Pocket. Paper's a whole different thing, 53. Um, I contacted Pocket on Twitter. I was like, hey, can you guys add this? Do you have this feature? They're like, no. Can you add it? Because here's what I really like. And I said, for reference, I like it in Instapaper, being able to add a note to a highlight, but I also really like it in Apple uh, Books. I think it's called Books. It used to be iBooks, right? But now it's Apple Books. Um, I really like that implementation. I wish that could exist. And they, they favorited it. <laughs> so uh, I don't know if they're going to add that or not. I don't know if anybody else is using it like me or wants to use it, but that's sort of the problem. I guess I'm just highlighting. Like, 
if something has matured a segment of the app ecosystem then and and you're like a an edge use case then you're always going to be in limbo with the features that you want maybe because there's nothing better and no one's going to do anything to change it i mean do you have any apps like that where you you need this one feature and it's probably never going to happen you can relate i know okay let's uh, dive into the apple news we talked a little bit about how coronavirus could possibly affect you know uh, plans for technology uh, but apple you know in particular since so much of their product line is assembled over in china but so I don't know, uh, I say that to say, I don't know how that's going to affect this next thing I want to talk about, but there's a report saying, out just this week, saying Apple is going to be releasing an iPad Pro smart keyboard with, get this, a built-in trackpad this year. This is interesting for so many reasons. Interesting thing number one is I want it, <laughs> and so do you probably. Interesting thing number two is Apple would have to probably, if they're, if they're building a trackpad into the keyboard, then no longer will using a mouse on an iPad be an accessory feature. They'll have to elevate it to an actual feature, which interesting thing, number three, they've always said, well, this isn't a laptop. It's not a MacBook. It's an iPad. They're separate. They're different. This one's for touchscreen stuff, and that one isn't. So it really muddies the water in terms of what is the difference and why is there it, it's starting to feel very arbitrary why an ipad then if if this gets implemented why an ipad is how it is and why the mac is how it is and i understand like some people they just like ipad os which basically is ios but tweaked they like that ios ipad os feel better and and they they live there they work there it, and they're in the flow there and other people are like no i need the mac and i'm in the flow over there on the mac but by adding, you know, it's almost like it's almost like by adding in mouse support officially to the iPad ecosystem, it's almost like as if they they added a touch screen to Macs. That's almost what it's like, which they've said they're never ever going to do. And for the longest time, Apple's been saying these are separate things and they're not going to merge, they're going to be different. So, the next interesting thing, I forgot what interesting thing we were on, but the next interesting thing is will it stop here? You know, the iPad uh, borrowing from Mac things, will it stop here? Or is there going to be more? Is the Apple Pencil then next going to, going to go over to the Mac? No, probably not. I just don't know. What does it mean for the future of things? But I do know I'm, I'm excited if it could happen because already we have all these third parties that are developing similar things. And I've seen it implemented different ways, some that I like better than others. But Bridge... Uh, is coming out with a, a keyboard. I don't know if it's out now or you can pre-order it or what. I've seen the pictures um, and talked to them about it, but uh, that has a trackpad built in. It's the bridge keyboard, which looks nice, kind of looks Mac-like. Again, isn't it funny? It looks like a Mac, and that's why people like it. Uh, a Mac keyboard. It looks like a Mac keyboard, including now you can get one with the touchpad. And there was some other implementation. Well, well, somebody else did it, and then Bridge sued them. So there's that. But but there was another one, too, that had, like, red buttons and very, very small, a very small trackpad area. And these red buttons, it looked kind of like something that the old IBM laptops would have looked like. Except instead of a little nub in the middle of the keys, it was just down at the bottom. And I did not like that. It looked like I would not like it. I didn't use it, but it didn't look like something I would be cool with. So it's funny because, in a way, Apple's saying, 
we acknowledge that people want this if they if they put this out. And again, this would be another example of how in recent years it seems like Apple is starting to listen to customers more than just saying, here's how it is, and we're going to do it. If Ford had asked people what they wanted, they would have said a faster horse. And so Apple knows better, and they're going to do whatever. It seems like in a lot of ways we're kind of moving past that, although there's always going to be some of that, and I'm glad there is because uh, they know more about certain things than the consumer does, right? But at the same time, they have to keep the consumer happy. So here's an actual quote uh, just to give you the full scoop um, from this report. It says, Apple is planning to release an iPad keyboard accessory later this year that will include a built-in trackpad, the latest step in its effort to position the tablet device as an alternative to laptop computers, according to the person familiar with the matter. The company will likely release the accessory alongside the next version of the iPad Pro expected later this year. So there was talk of this being an event in March, and maybe that's a possibility, maybe it's not, maybe Corona's going to affect that, maybe it's not. I saw an article the other day asking you know, how likely is it that Apple's even going to do WWDC this year? Because maybe they're going to cancel that because of coronavirus stuff. So I don't know. And and maybe Apple's just going to release it and it's going to be out on the website like they've done sometimes. Maybe they'll have an event, but nobody's invited, but they just stream it. <laughs> you know, it's just the stage and add in some fake cheering and clapping. I don't know. But I think there's something to this. Apple is going to update the keyboard in some way, I think, because we had another report too that was talking about Apple, uh, I think last month, Apple uh, doing backlit lights for the smart keyboard for the iPad Pro, which is a good thing. I can't believe that it doesn't have. I can't believe that the expensive keyboard that they sell as a standalone thing, the, the Pro color inversion uh, for the uh, Mac, I've railed against that thing before for not having backlit keys. And so it's really, it's a problem to not have the backlit keys. It should be there. And so for them to add that, that's a good thing. So they're already looking at it. They're already working at it. So are they, is it going to be, three different versions, the regular version, you know, that costs less, the backlit version, and then the backlit plus this new mouse pad. I don't know. Either way, though, it feels like uh, we're headed to the next level for iPad stuff. And I think that's going to be really cool. <laughs> Here's something else that's kind of funny. Um, it's not really going to impact your life in any crazy way. It's, it's literally just funny. Ryan Johnson, the guy who made uh, directed The Last Jedi, that was very controversial. Uh, he also made Knives Out. He put out a statement that said, Apple will let you use, as a movie person, company director, uh, producer, let you use iPhones in movies, you know, so, you know, product placement, which typically you think is a good thing. But the villains cannot use iPhones. Only the good guys. He says, Apple, they let you use iPhones in movies, but, and this is very pivotal, if you've ever watched a mystery movie, bad guys cannot have iPhones on camera. <laughs> and apparently he said he was reluctant to talk about that little tidbit because, quote, it's going to screw me on the next mystery movie that I write, end quote. But he let the world know because he thought it was interesting. And it is kind of interesting. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> what does this mean? Uh, if Apple makes good products, then do you have a villain that is... Uh, not very smart or adept because if Apple makes a great product, they must be a stupid villain for not choosing it. Uh, we're diving way too deep into this uh, beyond the veneer, the surface. It, it just means Apple wants iPhones to look good, but the implications are just funny to think about. Or are the villains 
Android people, you know, <laughs> subconsciously Apple wants people to be like, oh, that's a bad person, bad Android. And on the one hand, <laughs> can you blame us? Like you want your product to look as good as possible. I want my videos to be viewed in as good a light as possible, you know? Uh, so can you blame them? Not really. And on the other hand, would anyone even care or notice? Um, the next thing I'm not gonna, you know, spend too much time on because it can really bog down in the technical details. But I did find it interesting that uh, several blogs and articles are talking about a new form of Wi-Fi that could be included with the next iPhone version and one very interesting specific use case for it, namely the potential use for powering Apple glasses or Apple Glass, whatever you may dream of calling it. Apple-powered AR glasses, basically. So this new standard is 802.11ay, and without getting into the technical muck, basically it provides high enough bandwidth and low enough latency that it can send data to high resolution, high refresh rate displays. In other words, it would be perfect for virtual reality or augmented reality headsets. I mean, what's cool is if, if Apple is gonna come out with something like this and it's been rumored forever, I don't know how many times, I'm almost sick of hearing about it. Uh, people have talked about potential Apple glasses rumors, but if it does come out, you want it to be really good, the best that it can be, and so if you can have something that, that shows you really good information, contextual information, and overlays it on the world, to have that be in good resolution is going to be really important. And to have it not be, you know, think about it. If you're showing an arrow uh, to tell you where to go in your glasses for your directions, maybe that doesn't have to be super high resolution or flashy, you know, if there's uh, some pixelation, or not a big deal. But let's say that you can superimpose uh, a 75-inch TV screen on your wall with Apple glasses uh, then and watch, you know, Blu-ray quality content, that's a whole different ballgame. That has to look good. You want that to be amazing. And so this is just really exciting for, for that reason. Uh, just to contribute to the rumor mill, which I hate doing because things may or may not surface, uh, I'll just say, when could you maybe expect Apple glasses? I think people are kind of thinking the earliest possible date would be sometime in 2023. So several years away still. And in the meantime, uh, this same technology might power something a little bit less exciting, but still maybe useful or cool, which would be Max tile competitors, the tile tracking alternative that they're rumored to be producing. Real quick, let's just mention the iPod Touch. Yes, the iPod Touch, <laughs> not iPad, iPod. Uh, Apple did come out with one recently. It's been like eight months. I don't know if you caught that or cared because we're long past the days when iPods were like super relevant and made everybody go crazy. But I do want to mention it because the, the market that they're really intended for these days would be kids or people who, you know, basically parents don't want their kid to have a fully functional phone maybe, but uh, an iPod would be something they could you know, buy for them, whether because it's cheaper or does less, whatever, whatever. But there's another interesting use for that, and it's as a gaming device, solely, purely. Apple came out with Apple Arcade, as you know, and it just could be that rather than getting uh, a Nintendo Switch or uh, any other portable gaming type of thing, maybe the latest iPod 
is a great just gaming device. I mean, the thing's $199 at the entry level for 32 gigs. It's the cheapest brand new device that runs the latest version of iOS. At the moment, it's the most portable iOS device you can get. It's basically the same size as the iPhone SE, which everyone's super crazy about in terms of size. Anyways, just something to think about. You know, a little tip there. <laughs> this is kind of funny too. Uh, so in the news was the fact that Warren Buffett, uh, you guys know him as the billionaire investing genius. Um, he, oh, who owns a lot of Apple stock, by the way, I think he's like the third highest uh, owner of Apple stock, if you were to rank them. He finally traded in his old, old-fashioned phone and got an iPhone. <laughs> and what's funny is I was telling my wife about we were talking about it, and she was like, well, there goes his productivity uh, that's the end of his investing future, uh, which is just funny because iPhones usher in so many distractions. If all you had was a candy bar phone that could text and make calls <laughs> and then you switch over to an iPhone, you know that your productivity is going to take at least a, uh, a hit, if not have a big, huge period of adjustment. Anyways, <laughs> that just made me laugh. I guess a, a great way to wrap this up is to talk about something big looming on the horizon, which is Apple making a shift, they've been planning on this for a long time, from Intel chips to ARM. The thing is, Intel chips, um, Intel has made projections for the last five or so years that the chips are gonna get better, faster. And so they put out these projections, they're basically saying, hey Apple, we can do this. And Apple says, okay, that's what we want and we're counting on, but we want, and we want, actually we want even more. And Intel's just fallen behind uh, even their own estimates from my understanding of being able to boost performance year after year. Basically every deadline that they've been setting Intel, uh, they have missed. So in the big picture, when you, when you look at things, when it comes to Mac stuff, ARM processors give you better performance than the Intel versions for like 90%. Just if you say 90, it, you might as well just say 100 for basically everything that people do on Macs. And also, uh, there's a benefit in that it produces less heat if you're using an ARM processor than an Intel one. So uh, what we're talking about here is Apple moving everything over to ARM from Intel. And actually, if you have a recent MacBook uh, Pro with, with a T1 or T2 chip, you already have ARM chip components in your computer because the T1 and T2 run on ARM. And that happened all the way back in 2016 was the first time that was implemented. So uh, the T1, that was really concerned more with security. It gave us Touch ID. The T2 though, it does more. Mainly just boosting your overall performance and also <laughs> crippling your computer if it ever goes out because everything kind of runs through it. Everything hits the T2 chip. But for instance, I mean, it handles audio processing and it does some of the video encoding and kind of takes away some of that load from the main CPU. And just those two things help your Mac run faster. When you're thinking about this, it's actually interesting to think about. I don't care if you're like a super geek or not because Apple stuff has always been so good because they controlled the full stack, like everything. They made the hardware and they made the software that ran on it and could integrate those two things really nicely. Whereas a Windows machine or Wintel, let's, let's call it, there's all kinds of different manufacturers and components and stuff involved that Microsoft as a company just doesn't have control over and can't integrate quite as nicely. 
and make everything play together so nicely. But there's one thing, one area where Apple has had to be a, a bit reliant on an outsider, you know, and where they could still squeeze out extra optimizations. And that's when it comes to the chips, it's processor manufacturer. So with ARM, Apple's basically going to be able to own his processor too. And then when this is implemented, they'll be able to design the ARM processors for Mac, just like they do iOS. You can see this shift taking place, uh, this strategy that's you know toward, moving towards implementing the shift taking place, if you just look back a little bit, because uh, Mac OS Catalina, for instance, it only runs 64-bit apps. So the older 32-bit apps aren't going to work, but those are the ones that also would have been really hard to support with ARM processors. You see what I'm saying? This has been in the works for a while. I know that really bugs a lot of people. Somebody was reliant on that 32-bit app that that just it ruined their world. But in the overall scheme of things, it's going to be good for everybody to move on and move in this direction. Anyways, uh, lots of good stuff on the horizon, both from Daily Tech and from Apple, as you can tell from this podcast. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I've enjoyed hanging out with you. Thanks for spending some time. Uh, be on the lookout for that big announcement. Uh, you'll probably notice it first in one of the videos on the channel, um, maybe kind of subtly or maybe not. So keep your eyes peeled. And uh, yeah, let's cut it off for this week. Uh, I'll catch you guys in the next episode or the next video later. Welcome to the other party out of vibe. Well, you know we getting lit and come alive. And you know we got a light so we gon' shine. And we talking to the fans, it's the time, yeah. Welcome to the other party out of vibe. Well, you know we getting lit and come alive. And you know we got a light so we gon' shine. And we talking to the fans, it's the time, yeah. So 12 are giving you the heat. The reviews from Chris, you gotta see. Daily tech got a fax that you need. And it's a whole crew you gotta meet. After party, it's the place you gotta be. And you can't really beat it cause it's free. Trying to give you unbiased critiques. Quality, you should take it from me. Cause we care about the customers. Pull up a seat, got a whole team. Giving you the best and do it by any means. Brand new Mac and know it's looking clean. It's the after party, live from the models. Wanna cop some, shouldn't be a doubt about it. Looking for great reviews, then you found it. Connecting with the fans, hope you get a lot out of it. Yo. Welcome to the other party, I did Well, you know we get a little come alive. And you know we got a light, so we gon' shine. And we talking to the fans, it's the time, yeah. Welcome to the other party, got that vibe. Well, you know we get a little come alive. And you know we got a light, so we gon' shine. And we talking to the fans, it's the time, yeah.